Blog Talk Radio. And as always, seated in between at least 15 cases of water, my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. Daily Grind. Good evening, Daily Grind. How are you, sir? I am doing fantabulous, sir. And uh, I, I guess we'll have to get into your whole horrible weekend. I'd like to talk about that, but I'm doing quite well. I cannot complain. Yeah, I'm doing well, too. I uh, took my annual trip to the doctor today, and uh, believe it or not, I had to get my ears flushed. And, uh, you know, the ears, throat, and nose are always need to be clean so that you don't get any kind of uh, infection. So I did get my annual flushing of my ears, DG. I know you wanted to know all about that. Of course. Did you go to Flushing Queens to get those ears flushed out? No, I didn't go to Flushing Queens, but that's a good pun. Um, <laughs> did you have a good weekend? I did, I did. Uh, can't complain. It was a busy one, you know, with the water and everything. But aside from that, it was pretty good. All right. I mean, I'll just tell you that my weekend was kind of sucky. I've been, I'm on very limited sleep right now because the last couple of days, uh, Sabrina, my daughter, has been sick with a fever, cold, and a you know, a new tooth coming in. So it's you know, never pleasant at night when the pain is probably more intense for a baby, so, um, you know, last couple of nights she's been waking up throughout the night, and I'm, you know, last night, for example, I got about three and a half hours of sleep because she woke up almost every hour, and uh, Saturday night, when uh, the pain was so excruciating, she said, Daddy, please sleep on the floor with me, so I took my uh, pillow, took my pillow from my bed, and I laid down in her room with no, you know, no blanket, no nothing, just my pillow, and slept on the floor for a couple of hours until she fell asleep. And then I snuck out into my bedroom. You know, that's really sweet, Joe. And I know that eventually I'm going to get to uh, experience that for myself. But I remember being in your house last Monday and all the funny things and sweet things that your daughter was saying. So it's great that you have a good relationship with her now. And I know that you're you'll be a good father and you'll cultivate that going into the future. So if anybody tries to mess that up, you'll, you'll lay the smack down on them right quick. Oh, I'm sure I will. I mean... Yeah, I think there's nothing that I would do for my daughter, Sabrina, and that's obvious that you will be doing the same when your child is born, DG. Wait a minute. But, Did you just say there's nothing you would do for your daughter? Because that's what I just heard. Yes, that's what I said. Nothing I would do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Folks. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> All right, before uh, this, uh, you know, this, episode becomes about me and my daughter, Sabrina. Let's uh, give out some contact information, please. Folks, as always, our call-in line where you can talk to Joe about Sabrina, 714-364-4721. 
And you can get all the other info, our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube on puregoldpg.com. And, of course, we will have our poll of the week starting this week, folks. Uh, a few people have already voted. What should The Rock's role be in the WWE? There are four choices. Come back to wrestle part-time and keep doing movies. That's one. Number two, come back to wrestle full-time. Number three, appear for special events only like Stone Cold. And number four, turn Cena heel and go back to making crappy movies. So, folks, again, what should The Rock's role be in the WWE? You can check it out on our main page, Poll of the Week. We will have those every week, whether wrestling-related. As we go into this baseball year, we'll have, obviously, Mets and Yankees-related questions. WrestleMania, everything. It's just going to be coming hot and heavy, folks. You can also see our upcoming guest, Justin LaBar from WrestleZone, who will be with us next Tuesday. So, the greatest website on earth, puregoldpg.com. Thanks, DG. Now, there's only about nine more days before the Major League Baseball season starts, thank God, because I feel like, you know, we have been talking about wrestling a lot. And, uh, obviously, I threw in my first, obviously. I threw in my first, obviously. We are definitely on the road to WrestleMania. So with that, I mean, Raw was last night. I just want to give you a brief summary, folks, about Raw, and then we'll, um, I'll let DG give his summary, and then we'll get into the particulars. But I felt last night was one big F, if I'm going to give it a big grade. I just thought it was failing on all levels. Because, like I told DG before we went on the air, it was just one big promo for next week, which next week, you know, is obviously a must-see episode obviously. of Raw. Because Obviously, you have Raw in Chicago, which is one of those towns that we always say, you know, does a great job with their fans. And, you know, Rock and Cena will go go face-to-face for the first time ever, so we should see that. So, DG, I mean, did did you feel the same that, you know, Raw was just one big preview for next week? I agree with you, sir. Um, You're not the only one, quite a few people. I know Bret Hart, I just saw right before we went on the show, even he tweeted that the writing was subpar for this week, and he was not... Not pleased, considering this is the road to WrestleMania, so one of the all-time greats, Brett the Hitman Hart, agrees with Pure Gold, so obviously he must be listening to the show. Yeah, so in general, I think this Raw gets these two words. To the monkey writers, you're fired, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) I I actually thought you were going to go... I thought you were going to go with the DX uh, soundbite there, Joe, but um, that, that'll work. Yeah, but I, I like firing better. So, you know, getting right into the Raw recap from last night, um, we had Triple H's promo, which, again, continues to be the theory of, or, you know, they're going down the road of, you know, less is more, I guess, with that. Yeah. PG. I mean, but, you know, the biggest the biggest take that I got from it was that, you know, Triple H is talking about the streak and how, this streak is what Taker, you know, needs to, you know, keep himself going throughout the year because, you know, you, you see Taker take this huge amount of time off just to rest yeah. up for this one match at WrestleMania, which, <laughs> I mean, me, me, you have said, this is really stupid. It's getting really out of hand, and I think they need to, they really need to end this streak. But, you know, next week, Triple H invited Undertaker to Raw, and, uh, you know, we're going to have the, you know, face-to-face, I don't know if it's a contract sign or not, but I know they're going to be in the ring looking at each other saying nothing once again until I'm sure somebody <laughs> might think, interrupt. I think it'll be a deuce dropping on both parts, uh, JP. <laughs> in particular, though, DG, uh, what did you think about the promo uh, last night? Well, like all of Triple H's promos, I, I thought this one was good. 
I, I don't care what anybody says. Triple H knows how to cut a promo. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, you know, I don't love, love the fact that he's been in every WrestleMania main event, you know, for a title for the past 27 years. But aside from that, I love the man. Um, I think he's underrated in terms of all time. But I thought this was a good match. One thing that kind of disturbed me, but, you know, again, wrestling is not real per se. Um, he said that this match means more than any championship. And all the championships that he's ever won, <laughs> he said that he would die trying to defeat the streak. And I thought it was funny because uh, my, you know, I always figured that Ric Flair would be the one to die in the ring and not Triple H. Any thoughts yeah. on that, sir? <laughs> yeah, that's a little extreme, but you know, obviously, Raw is obviously, obviously, it's not as real as you know people think it might be because let's face it, Triple H is not going to win at WrestleMania, so let's watch him die. You know, I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I uh, I, I agree with that, sir. Just just like gonna end up dead, just like Ric Flair, as we uh, as we spoke about earlier. Yeah, I, I read some things online today too, saying that. Um, I mean, we could talk about this too right now, since we don't have to get to it later. Don't don't you think that um, the WWE would make would make a huge mistake if they made this match the last match of the night? Um. I agree. I think the WWE would definitely be making a big mistake if they made this the last match of the night. Sorry, folks. That's a, I don't know why Ric Flair came on, but just had to throw a little woo there. Um, I agree, sir. It would be a mistake if the WWE made this the last match of the night. But it seems like that's where they're going, sir. Yeah, I mean... It, this is not Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Shawn Michaels knows how to carry a match. You're talking about two guys that I'm not going to say are washed up, but they're definitely past their prime. And I think you know Triple H can carry a match, but again, he's no Shawn Michaels. So to put this match last, I think might be a huge mistake. And you you can't keep having Undertaker close out WrestleMania, especially if he's going to keep winning. I mean, the only way I'd want that to be the last match is if Triple H actually beats Undertaker, DG. I completely, I completely agree with you, sir. And I think, I think that Rick Flair would agree too. <laughs> there he is. Um, I agree. You know, Joe, I, I can't, I can't take anything away from you. I, I think you're right. It's not the same thing as Sean and uh, Undertaker, especially because it's, it's only, you know, less than two weeks away. At this point, and we don't even know if it really is going to be career versus streak, although that's the way Triple H is talking. But Sean put it on the line early, and Sean can carry a match like nobody's business. And I, and I do agree with you. I, I hate the streak. I always have. I think it's ridiculous. I know we're going to get into this later about um, a little video promo that, uh, talk, talking about the streak. So I'll save my comments for that later. But uh, anything else on this, sir, before we move on to the uh, the rest of this actual segment of Triple H? Cause I, there's something else that I'd like to mention. Yeah, I mean, just one last thing. You hit on it. I mean, it looks like they're going past the whole streak versus career. This might be actually a streak versus death match, you know? I mean, if if, Under, if Undertaker <laughs> beats Triple H, he might just have to Triple kill H Triple H. Triple H is going to die trying. <laughs> exactly. But one thing I wanted, to, I wanted to discuss about this, it was interesting uh, seeing Ted DiBiase come out, speaking of death, I think Triple H killed uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. last night after his promo. And I think it's interesting because this is the second time that Triple H is, because he's barely been on Raw, as you notice, which I find to be odd. But he showed up for the past, I think, two two times in a row and destroyed somebody after they interrupted the the end of his promo and his music playing and everything. He did it to Sheamus. 
Now he did it to DiBiase. It's interesting because uh, Ted said last year he was, you know, at WrestleMania, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And obviously this year he won't be doing anything because Triple H killed him. But moving on from that, speaking of getting destroyed, sir, what did you think about the Sheamus versus Evan Bourne five-star classic that we got last night? Well, Sheamus did squash Evan Bourne, but to me, again, this is where WWE logic makes no sense to me. I understand that now Sheamus all of a sudden is this unbeatable machine now that he won the U.S. <laughs> title, <laughs> and now he's going to go on this—you know—he's going to go on this huge winning streak, and he's probably going to retain now at WrestleMania somehow. Um, to me, it just makes no sense. I mean, why why would you have Sheamus take on Evan Bourne in a match? I mean, all you really need to do to build this storyline a little bit more is have Sheamus cut a promo how he's like the greatest U.S. champion ever, and then have Daniel Bryan come down the ring and explain to him, listen, buddy, you know, you won one match, and I want my rematch, and I want it at WrestleMania. That's all that had to happen. You didn't have to have Evan Bourne get squashed by Sheamus. I agree. What I find interesting, though, and again, going back to WWE logic, it makes absolutely no sense because how does Sheamus lose? I was thinking about this today when I was preparing a rundown. It seems like Sheamus lost every match for about four months straight, yet somehow he wins the United States title out of nowhere. On a side note, I love the fact that he says he's a champion of the United States of America. That's pretty interesting. But aside from that, he loses for about four months straight after winning the King of the Ring. Out of nowhere, he wins, and now he's an unstoppable killing machine again. That I don't understand, and that to me, it's uh, back-ass words, WWE booking, because the fact of the matter is that the way that they the way that they book the matches is, like I remember MVP, he went on this losing streak for what seemed like an entire year, and then all of a sudden he goes back and wins the United States title. It's like the WWE thinks that by losing all the time and by going on a losing streak, as opposed to a winning streak, that's a push for a guy. I, I don't get it, Joe. He also squashed uh, Daniel Bryan right after the match with a, a boot to the face, and now they're going to be fighting at Mania. You know, I, I just I go back to my original point. It should have been Bryan versus Sheamus at WrestleMania for the title in the original match, not or even Sheamus winning by DQ or something and then getting to face Daniel Bryan at Mania with the title on the line, and they sh- it should have changed hands at WrestleMania. Not on Monday Night Raw, but, you know, it's WWE, so what are you going to do, sir? Yeah, I mean, I have mixed mixed feelings about that because I always thought that if you want to emphasize the, the secondary titles like the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title, those titles should be defended, obviously, on Raw and on SmackDown. But, yeah. you know, I agree, I, I agree that, you know, you could have waited a couple more weeks and had these two guys wrestle at WrestleMania, but, you know, we'll see where that goes. But, again, you didn't need to get... You didn't need to have Sheamus squash Daniel Bryan. All you needed was Daniel Bryan come down and demand his rematch, have a little showdown. You know, each of them exchange a couple of fists and then, you know, have the referees break it up. So that segment to me sir. was another big F for me. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, sir. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that as I sit here eating my roll gold pretzels, I could not agree with you more that that is what should have happened. But, of course, WWE logic would dictate otherwise. Move, speaking of WWE logic, what did you think about Randy Orton's tour bus? <laughs> Where did that come from? I have no clue. And the whole idea that they got into the, the, the wife thing, the fake wife, whomever she was, I just thought it was so terrible. Uh, Scott Sanford was interviewing Randy Orton about his tour bus. I'm like, what, what, what are we talking about, folks? Seriously? His tour bus? Next. 
We had <laughs> Eve versus Maurice in a Divas title match. JB, I have to admit, my wife and I were talking about this, I think, on Friday Night After Youth Service. Um, and I hate the state of women's wrestling in the WWE, but, man, this is a slop fest with, with Cole interrupting again. I really don't like it. Uh, he, Eve was going after him after the match, but, you know, that's stupid. But aside from that, you know, what, what, I, what I love to see is Maurice, right? Maurice was women's champ for a while. Loss was, wasn't heard from again, became Ted DiBiase's arm candy. All of a sudden, she's back. I think, I think just like with Sheamus, just like with what's going to happen to Daniel Bryan, other than Orton and Cena, it's like the WWE does not know how to book people once they lose the title. They, they make them go on losing streaks, win the belt, come out of nowhere, and then when it's time to write that for them when they're not champ, they've got no clue what to do. And this is another perfect example, Maurice. But uh, hopefully they'll fix the women's division and they'll bring Awesome Kong and, you know, maybe Trish will come back on a regular basis or part-time basis or whatever the case is, and they'll fix that. But uh, any, any thoughts on the women's title match there? DG, I have breaking news. Um, Fitz just told me that that bus that Randy Orton was driving is was the Lex Express in the early 90s. <laughs> was it really? It was the Lex Express. That's, wow. That's, that's, uh, that, that's definitely some breaking news, folks. <laughs> Next up on the agenda, we had a tag team tight. Well, I don't even know if it was a title match, folks. I skimmed through it. Between Core, two R's. And Santino and Connor's love. All I have to say about this match is, has anyone ever noticed how much Justin Gabriel looks like Ricky Martin? Folks, I'm just saying. JB? You know, you know, Core, again, continuing with my what I said a couple months ago about really retarded, it just doesn't get more really retarded than this whole match. And, you know, Santino and Kozlov obviously deserve a rematch on Raw. But, you know, uh, to me... The belts suck. They look awful. The core is is just one big turd. And you know, you know, to make fun of Santino and Kozlov, you know, okay, that's good for entertainment. But I think we've seen it enough. And let's move on to the next segment. I agree, sir. <laughs> Moving on. Aside from Moving that on. horrible tag team division that doesn't even exist. Um, yep. Again, Jerry Lawler, Michael Cole, I absolutely hated it, sir. I hated this segment. I hate the whole idea of getting on Jerry's family, mentioning Brian Christopher, the sloppy mess that he was, mentioning his father who's dead, his mother who died. I, Joe, it just irks me to no end that they go this route. I guess they're trying to make it a personal and a further example for the fact that when Cole loses a mania, whatever happens, he has to go to SmackDown. These two guys cannot commentate together anymore. It's gotten way too personal, way too ridiculous. Um, I don't know. Any any thoughts? Because I hated it. Sir. I absolutely hated it. You're right. I mean, why do you have to bring in, you know, Jerry Lawler's father to make this angle even more appealing? I mean, it's not appealing at all, to be honest with you. Now that we have a heel. Um, as a well, not a heel, a heel as the you know the person by the ringside. We have uh, Jack Swagger, which yeah. one makes no sense, and then two to have Austin as the guest referee to me makes no sense when you need a heel referee against you know yeah. Cole versus Lawler because Cole has no shot against Lawler. So I don't see anything coming good out of this. And you know, DG, I mean, we think about like this has to end where Cole has to end up on SmackDown, but then they hold they make this whole little chamber for Cole to broadcast. You know, so he doesn't get touched. 
I'm I'm worried that after WrestleMania, this is going to continue where Cole has this little glass chamber and is still calling matches against Jerry Lawler, with Jerry Lawler at ringside. It would be terrible. And the fact is that Michael Cole is not a bad announcer, but when he has to go over-the-top heel, mean, nasty, vindictive with, with Lawler, and then have to go back into normal commentating mode with other stuff, and, oh, my God, how could he do this? And CM Punk's going after Randy Orton's fake wife and his tour bus and the Lex Express. He loses all credibility now. I don't know how Vince, who's a very intelligent man, does not see this. I hate that aspect of Cole. I think if you're going to make him Cole uh, a whole, go all the way, do it, make him heal. But don't go back and forth between face Cole or regular Cole or unbiased Cole and then that. Makes no sense there, but again, I just I just hate bringing his family into it. I understand that Jerry Lola arcade it, but I, I really don't like it, sir. Yeah, all they needed to really do was um, have Cole come out like he did and dress up as, you know, Jr. and pretend and just, you know, rag on Jr. a little bit. He didn't need to bring in, you know, the monkey riders do not need to bring in family, and I hope this is not where, where it's leading to because think about it, DG, the pattern is, he mentioned his son last week. He mentioned his father this week. Let's just hope, because they did a good job a couple months ago or about a month ago. Let's hope that they don't bring up Jerry Lowe's mother next week. Well, I actually thought you were going in a different direction. I'm hoping they don't bring up uh, – I'm just hoping that they don't bring up all of Jerry's ex-wives, you know, like they bring in the cat oh. and they bring in every other woman he's ever been married to. So, you know, we hope and pray that that's not the case there. Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose between the two, I think I'd get a, a bigger kick out of his ex-wives slapping Jerry Lowell in the face than, you know, bringing up his mother that passed away just recently. I agree with that. I, I just think, it, you know, that, that that's the only thing left that WWE has to sing to. But yeah, moving on from that, and, and again, one more time, it's a shame that Jerry's WrestleMania match is going to be against Michael Cole. It just, uh, it just sucks. And considering the Miz rehired Alex Riley, it makes no sense. But aside from that... You know, skipping ahead, we had John Morrison and Dolph Ziggler wrestle. It turned into a four-on-two mixed tag match, which made absolutely no sense. It's great to see Trish appearing more than just once live on the show. Gotta love that. Big fan of hers. Uh, but you know what? The truth is, Joe, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, uh, John Morrison and Dolph Ziggler, they deserve better than this three-on-three tag match at WrestleMania. These two guys should be in a Money in the Bank, or they should be wrestling each other, singles match, and then you could have the women, if you want to go with the Snooky thing, which we all hate, but... Do Snooki and Trish against Lake Cool as a completely separate match. Why? Because this is almost a four-hour show, Joe, and they've only got eight matches. So how are they going to fill uh, four hours with this? Are they going to have a 50-minute tag, uh, you know, title match for each world title? Is uh, is, is uh, Undertaker and Triple H going to go an hour and a half? You know, eight matches is what they fill a regular card with. How are they going to fill a whole hour, sir, if, if they're cutting down all the matches? Instead of having two matches, which this could have been, they turned it into one. Yeah, they they might have a couple unannounced matches like last minute, but you're right. With these eight matches, I get the feeling that the Triple H Undertaker match is going to be an hour and a half long, and every other match is going to be only about 20 minutes long at this point. But well, I agree the with intros, you. the intros for that match will probably be about an hour and a half, and the match itself will be about 15 minutes. Oh yeah, because you you figure Undertaker and Triple H always have this new way of coming out to the ring at WrestleMania, so you're right about that. Those intros are going to be forever, and I think it's going to take at least 45 minutes to an hour to introduce those Hall of Famers, all those geriatric Hall of Famers like Drew Carey, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, <laughs> Bullet Barb. <laughs> well, don't forget Abdullah the Butcher who was announced last night. And, folks, I found out about it on Facebook. That's how 
That's how little the WWE cares about this Hall of Fame class, that they're announcing them on WWE.com, Facebook. I think Vince sent me a personal text message telling me that, uh, you know, Sonny was announced. I just don't get it. You know, let's forget about the, the Hall of Fame for now. But, you know, it just sucks. that There's not, there's not going to be money in the bank. So guys like Evan Bourne will have no place in the card. Kofi Kingston won't, probably won't even be defending the Intercontinental title on Raw, uh, excuse me, on, on at WrestleMania. You know, you have... Uh, Morrison and Ziggler who are in this match, and Sheamus and Brian, these guys should all be in, you know, Money in the Bank match for the title, and you know, make it a big spot fest like they always do. But that's not going to happen. Now, next up, sir, we have the video. About 85 guys talking about the Undertaker streak. Now, it's a, it was a good video package. The WWE, we've always said, they they're amazing at video packages. They've just done an amazing job always. But, sir, when I heard R. Anderson talk about how it's like a team winning 18 straight Super Bowls, I wanted to throw up on him. I wanted to do what Psycho Sid did to him and stab him with a pair of scissors. Not for real. Don't want to get sued. But, sir, it was it was ridiculous. Eight, to compare that to 18 straight Super Bowls, you have to be kidding me. Not only that, but I load the streak. I talk about this every week. I think it's a waste. I don't understand how guys haven't even had that many matches, legends, all-time greats, yet he has 18 wins. I mean, Taker should be like... 12-6 and six at WrestleMania, not 18-0. and 0. And now it's going to be 19, and next year we'll, put, we'll be 20, and then he'll retire. 20 matches, 20 wins. Sir, it's an absolute joke, in my opinion. Are you kidding me that Arn Anderson is going to compare, you know, the 18, you know, 18 wins at WrestleMania to 18 straight Super Bowls? I mean, are you kidding me? That That's just... <laughs> really? I don't know, Arne. <laughs> really? Arn Anderson, you are smoking the bad crack because that, my friend, is totally absurd. But you know, you know what? You know what's weird to me too is that Shawn Michaels, you know, is considered one of the greatest ever, and they didn't do this much talk the last two years, and they didn't have this many wrestlers talk about the streak. Why does Triple H now get to have all these wrestlers talk about the streak? What's so big about this year versus any other year? Uh, to me, it's just. I don't know. I, I think it's uh, the road to WrestleMania for me is now an overkill, and it's way too long. Get me to Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> because I think the WWE ran out of gas, and they're on the highway calling AAA because we need to get to next week's Raw ASAP. I agree with that, sir. It's definitely been too long. Uh, having the pay-per-view space out the way that they do gives way too much time for WrestleMania. I mean, I'm still looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward to it. It's going to be... It's going to be a great event, hopefully, but it's it's a bit much, and you know we're hoping that Mania comes sooner than later. Hopefully they'll skip a week and just do it on Sunday. But moving on from that, the last nugget that I have, last note for uh, Monday Night Raw, we had the Randy Orton, and I didn't want to talk about the the main event, but we'll probably get into that too. Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio had a WrestleMania Rewind match without Kurt Angle, which you know wasn't that, that was the match, but. Aside from that, we had CM Punk go after Randy's fake wife. I think this is a just pretty sure this is a different wife that he had uh, last time they showed his fake wife in a where Triple H, you know, burglarized his home and should have been locked up on felony assault charges for like three years. But aside from that, Punk laid him out with the uh, rinse. That was great to see, of course. But I mean, Randy's wife, his fake wife, was absolutely terrible. You know, she should have called the police. Let's be honest here. And instead, she screamed. He told her to shut up. She did. You know, she sat there by the door and watched. And then, <laughs> you gotta love wrestling, folks, and you can have these ridiculous stories happen. <laughs> you have any comments on that slop fest, sir? No, I mean this is just <laughs> one big slop fest, like you said, of an angle. I mean, 
this this feud to me is getting you know way out of hand in terms of like tr- now trying to make it personal by you know bringing a fake Randy Orton's wife and attacking her. I mean, enough is enough. I wish I had that that soundbite right now. I'd be playing enough is enough for the next three minutes, DG. This this is just overkill. <laughs> I mean, I still think Punk's gonna win at WrestleMania though. I hope he does, but you know, a- any chance that he doesn't, there is a chance, but. We always think that, like, when you look down at the WrestleMania card, we always think, I mean, we always think that the face is going to win every match, but it doesn't happen. So, you know, the heel's got to win a couple matches, so why not this one? Yeah, sir, I, I completely agree. But I just, I don't know. I don't like Orton. I, I don't want this to happen. I, I, you know, I thought it was interesting that when, when uh, Punk was naming the members of Nexus that Orton took out, he forgot to mention Husky Harris, but... You know, I guess Husky Harris doesn't doesn't get, matter anymore, sir. <laughs> yeah, and you know, my last thing, which is a nugget, but I think we should just include it in the raw recap, is this whole slot fest of a main event where, you know, we have John <laughs> Cena live via satellite from his home, and you know, pun intended, his home is ended up being the arena that they're at in Pittsburgh because his fans and you know is basically his family is what you know Cena is trying to pr- portray here. So he shows up, he runs down to the ring, attacks Riley. Um, that whole segment, whatever it is, you know, finally John Cena gets the upper hand on Alex Riley, I guess. He doesn't get the upper hand on, on The Miz. And the the one the reason, reason I'm bringing this up is because The Miz has this, you know, this table cover covered with a tablecloth, and he's, you know, he's ready to reveal a new belt, which, you know, I'm kind of excited about because, you know, we've always yeah, been yeah. talking about having a new belt, so... I'm figuring that, you know, the Miz has created a new belt for himself, which is, thank God they gave her the bling belt. And all really Miz does, and this is, you know, I guess going in line with his character of, you know, being the the student that wants to get attention in school, um, all he really does is take the W in the main center plate of the WWE title, turns it upside down, and makes it from a W to an M, and doesn't even get rid of the swoosh. So all he really did was, again, made the W, turned it upside down, and made it an M, and now it's the Miz World Title, DG. I mean, if does if if it doesn't get any better, you know, worse than that, I don't know what it is. Sir, I completely agree. Where'd you go? <laughs> completely agree with that, sir. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I know I, you didn't I, listen to a word. Where the hell did you go? <laughs> no, sir. I just I can't. You know, there's sir. I can't say anything else about it because I, I agree with you so much. That there's only one thing to say. As Chris Mitchell said it best, enough, so enough. But aside from that, um, you know, we've talked about this for three weeks ad, ad nauseum about how the Miz is the kid in the in school trying to get attention. I, 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 again, I didn't watch it live, but when I did see it, I said to myself, man, you know, what the hell is that under the, under the, 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 you know, the drapery, whatever that was, the sheet? And it turns out being the same title with that, the W turn up to down. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, at least give us a new belt, please, you know? I am so sick and tired of this stupid belt. I don't want to see it anymore. I'm just, I'm done, sir. I'm done. You know what? I'm absolutely you know, done. Instead of waiting for nuggets, we should bring. Uh, we should just throw away all the Miz stuff right now because you know I don't want this sh- sh- the show to go to the tank. What do you think about uh, the fact that 
John Cena. <laughs> I know what I thought about that. Uh, well, I... <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mr. Russo. I, I didn't realize Mr. about it. I didn't know Mr. Russo was in the in the uh, studios. But, yeah, uh, yeah, we're on serious now, folks. So Chris Russo is joining us in the studio. But I, I mean, you know, like Chris said, enough's enough. Yeah. Uh, you make us all sick. <laughs> make us all sick. You, de- you definitely do, Ms. That's but pretty what much. About Sorry, sir, go. Answer, answer, me this, answer me this question, Mr. DG. How come – it's, it's wrong on all levels, but let me ask you about this. What do you feel about John Cena, who doesn't, is not even the WWE champion heading into WrestleMania, showing up on a WFAN program, Boomer and Carton, who actually rag on wrestling all the time and make fun of Evan Roberts? What do you think about Evan, uh, John Cena showing up on their show? Well, sir, I we talked about this. We talked about this the other day. We talked about it live and all off the air. But I mean, there's only one thing to say, sir. Out there in January, out there in November, and I know his record. It's here, Pac-Man Jones with exceptions against Jacksonville. So I'm a guilty too. That, sir, is all I have to say about that. I think and I'd love to get Evan back on the show before the season starts, but it's an absolute train wreck. I heard the interview, you know, and you know I'm not a fan of uh, I'm not really a fan of, uh, of of the show. I listen to the show, you know, nothing personal against either guy, but you know whatever. It's not my cup of tea, and to hear Boomer try to ask a question about Triple H at the end of the interview, and Karin cuts him off just to just to end the interview. That, to me, was like, what the heck is going on? Not only that, but like you said, they rag on wrestling. They rag on all the time, but Cena shows up on their show. Instead of showing up on, uh, you know, Evan and uh, and Joe, I would love to hear that because Evan is, is such a, you know, he, he he hates Cena. I think Cena sucks. I would love to see that live and have uh, Cena give him the attitude adjustment right to the table. But aside from that, you know, they're talking about how much do you bench press, and it's, a, you know, Cena said it was the it's the most pointless lift in the world. You know, it's stupid stuff. I, I, enough's enough, sir. That's all I got to say <laughs> yep. about that. You know what's funny is that I actually heard Evan Roberts by himself on Saturday on my way to the store, and uh, Evan Roberts was actually commenting on that whole segment, He how he said that, you know, next time that they have John Cena on, because he's basically, you know, conceding that he'll never be on – the the midday show because they don't get enough ratings like Boomer and Carton do. So he asked uh, Boomer and Carton next time they get John Cena to let him know so that he could come on to their show so he could let John Cena have it because he said he was going to have a verbal war with him but uh, was unfortunate that he wasn't in studio at the time that John Cena was in studio. I think that sums it up. I'm done talking about this episode of Raw. Let us, folks, this episode, this part, this wonderful Raw, Raw this wonderful Raw recap. Sorry, I'm pulling it. Uh, Joe B here. It's brought to you by Executive Business Machines. Do you have a copy, a printer, a fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter, or even a video editing program that needs repair? If you do, call EBM at 201-797-9400, located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM is a family-owned and operated business for almost 50 years, and they specialize, once again, service, sales, and supplies of all types on all office equipment. Call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. And if you 
call, folks. Make sure you mention Pure Gold to get 20% off your service order. Joe? Thank you, DG. It's 1035. It's time for the sports update and Todd's take. Tonight brought to you by DRG Designs. Need a company logo? How about a flyer for your next big event? Wow, this place makes flyers. I think I will give them a call because I thought I wanted, you know, to advertise PG and put them out on the parking lot of all cars. So I will give them a call after the show. You have an idea? We make it a reality. For your graphic design needs, call DRG Design at 973-588-7572. Once again, that number is 973-588-7572. Please remember, do not call after 9 p.m. because people do sleep. When you do when you do call, please mention Pure Gold. Without further ado, it's 1036 now, and it's time for Todd's sports update. Todd, how are you, sir? I am great. How are you guys doing tonight? Not bad. Good I think DG left. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm here. <laughs> well, okay. Speaking of, uh, speaking of flyers, the flyers lose in the shootouts in Capitals, 5-4. to four. My Rangers Beat out the Panthers, one to nothing. Bruins beat the Devils, four to one. The Sabres over the Canadians, two to nothing. Predators over the Oilers, three to one. The Maple Leafs over the Wild, three to nothing. Hurricanes get past the Senators, four to three. The Blues are leading the Coyotes with about five minutes to play in the first. The Blue Jackets are leading the Avalanche, two to one at the end of the second. And of course, I saved the best for last, just for you, JB. The Thanks. Islanders. Bank, the Lightning, 5-2. to two. They do yes. have life out on the island. So, in NCAA men's basketball. Yes. Thankfully, there was only one game to mention tonight. So, Kent and Colorado, they're in a back-and-forth battle as they come to the, uh, the end of the second and uh, play towards the half. Uh, in women's NCAA basketball, they, they, they're, they're playing games. In the NBA, the Bulls and the Hawks, the Bulls are embarrassing the Hawks as they close out. They are, the Hawks are losing by 40. That is just pathetic. Wizards, uh, they're, they're leading over the Trailblazers as they close out the first period, and the Lakers and Suns are set to tip off any moment now. JB? Thanks, TJ. I just want to mention, folks, that uh, TJ doesn't give a rat's beep about the NCAA March Madness Tournament. Because Colorado and <laughs> Kent State are folks in the NIT tournament, not the March Madness tournament Whatever. that everyone else knows. <laughs> <laughs> so, so enough, enough. But I'm not going to piss off Todd. Todd, it's time I for your take. So, basketball. That's the, I clicked on men's basketball on ESPN. That's what they gave me. <laughs> okay, Todd. It's time for your Todd's sake, so please take it away, sir. All right, well, the uh, the sports update was short, so the rant is long. So uh, hold on tight for this one, kiddies. So my okay. kids, uh, they came home the other day from school with um, a whole bunch of literature about uh, what kind of activities the, the school and the students are going to be participating in for Earth Day, which is right around the corner. None of which, I might add, was printed on recycled paper. And let me say, there was a lot of it. You could probably see where I'm going here. So hold on tight, Larry Lefty and Tina Treehugger. I was very put off by all this. 
in part, all of this information could have been posted on the, on the school's website, thereby eliminating the unnecessary wasted paper, the chemical-laden ink, all the electricity and time needed to run the computers to create the document, and then the printers to seal the doomed fate of the planet and everything that created the electricity does to the environment. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about tonight. What I really wanted to talk to you about is what the content of this pile of hypocrisy was stating. The thing that really got my goat was the completely offensive use of the, uh, the term Generation Green. This left-leaning, quote-unquote, educators that, that created this propaganda, I've got some nerve calling this generation by that faux moniker. I was driving home from my local garden center on Sunday with my family when I saw a group of baggy-panted, sideways hat, greasy hair-wearing, monster energy drink-slugging bunch of hooligans walking down the road in front of me. I couldn't help but notice two of them slug down the last of their energy drinks and then throw the empty cans into the adjacent woods, upsetting to say the least. When I expressed my disdain, my kids said, oh, well, that's, well, we'll call him Dakota for the sake of uh, <laughs> protecting the names of the innocent and even the not-so-innocent. So we'll call him Dakota. It sounds like the kind of jackass name that uh, <laughs> soulless twit mothers would name their sons these days. But back to my kids who said, <laughs> Dakota does that kind of th- that stuff a lot. He does it all the time. Since then, I couldn't help but notice how many of these little Johnny Knoxville wannabes there are rolling around and just how, many, how much trash there is on the sides of the beautiful byways through the farm country of western Jersey where I live. I had to stop, and, you know, I pulled over, and I stopped at a spot where there seemed to be a whole lot of these empty cans and a lot of garbage just kind of collecting. And, of course, it was all energy drink cans and sports drink bottles strewn about. Now, my wife said to me, oh, it's not just kids, it's adults too. I beg to differ. I don't know a single person over the age of 25 who drinks those hyper-sweetened, max-caffeinated, engine-cooling-colored, nasty drinks. (laughs) It's kids and it's teens. So much for this enlightened generation who are fixing to save the, uh, the planet via their Xbox, not actually doing anything to actually save the planet. So Generation Green, my ass. They don't even know what, they're, what being green means. And I don't completely blame them for their ignorance. In my town, we have a green commission, okay, which is a useless thing to begin with. And, of course, where there's a commission, there's a commissioner. This person also has no idea of what it means to be green. All right? Their idea of green is so twisted and perverted, it makes me physically ill. Let me give you an example. Every year in the weeks that follow Christmas, the Green Commission collects all the Christmas trees in town. Now, before you start thinking, oh, what a great thing this must be, they must mulch the trees and offer the mulch back to the residents or even sell it to local landscapers and then donate the proceeds to a green charity. No, of course not. What they do do is gather the trees in a big pile in the soccer fields up at the park, and then they sell tickets. Wait a minute. I lost my page here. They sell tickets to the residents 
to fund a beer truck, and then everybody stands in a circle and watches the trees burn in a gigantic pyre, killing the grass in the soccer field, while everybody gets lit up on all the beer they can drink. Generation Green is a falsity perpetrated by the by the parents of these little delinquents who they themselves use the green moniker as a way to wash away their obvious guilt for driving their kids three blocks to school in their new Acadia SUVs. Me thinks these folks need to be more involved in the education of their children and the liberal agenda that's being force-fed to them before their ability to think thank themselves. It's not only uh, – I lost my place again. I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> it's too long. I'm, that's it. I'm aggravated. They need to get themselves more involved in the education of their children and the liberal, liberal agenda that's being force-fed to them before their ability to think for themselves is not only tainted but taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. Katie? Thank you for that take, sir. Uh, before I let you go, though, uh, one other thing happened in the news that I thought I'd... I think I think I think what Mr. Russo is trying to say is show some guts to the Generation Green. If they were Jet fans, I'd understand, but they're not. They're not Jet fans, so they're not that kind of Generation Green. But before I let you go, uh, TJ, one other bit of information. Uh, one other bit of news today. Lawrence Taylor was, um, you know, I think. What do you want to say? He was coded as a uh, what was a code red, code yellow, code green sex offender. Did you hear what it was? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, code green, I think. I didn't hear what the uh, the code was, but I did hear that uh, six years probation, and uh, he's going to be labeled as a, a sex offender. That's yeah. a tough one. That's nice. a tough one. Uh, you know, part of you has got to feel bad for him because he kind of did. He know what he was doing, perhaps. You know what I mean, did he know that she was not of age, perhaps? Was he doing something wrong to begin with? Yes. I mean, he was breaking the law to begin with. It's just the law that he broke. I suppose that's one way to look at that. I mean, yeah. to me, the biggest news is the fact that the Mets got rid of Ali Perez. <laughs> that was the news story of the week for me. Thank God that nightmare's over with. <laughs> Sir, as always, we appreciate your take and your sports update. Have a good night. You too, guys. Thank you. Folks, and remember, that rant by Sean Hannity was brought to you by DRG Designs. As always, it was a pleasure. Sir, can we get into some nuggets? Por favor. Sorry, did you? <laughs> it's okay, sir. Um, I'd actually like to get into a nugget, folks. Todd just mentioned that he stole my thunder, as he always seems to do. Sir, can we talk a little baseball? We can. He mentioned it. It's got to be said. I was watching baseball the other day, folks, on SNY. It was the Mets or the Mutts or the STEM, whatever the hell you want to call them. They were playing the Nationals, spring training, good stuff, you know. Uh, I have to admit that as bad as I think the Mets will be, I got excited to see some baseball in the air. You know, baseball is my favorite sport. Nothing compares to it. And... It's an absolute, you know, I think the Mets are going to be a train wreck this year. But it reminded me why it's far away my favorite sport of all time. 
I was excited. I was pumped. It was good to see it. Um, you know, like they say, hope springs eternal. So I'm hoping the Mets won't be a total disaster this year. I'm, I'm preparing for the worst. But, you know, I was talking to my brother today, and we were talking about the, the Mets and how in 2006, only five years ago, they were an, like an out of way basically from going to the World Series and winning it against the Tigers, and they lost, of course. And I remember sitting there with my buddies, sitting there with my homeboys at Game 2 of the NLCS, thinking when the Mets were up 6 nothing, thinking to myself, the Mets are going to win this series. The Mets are actually going to go to the World Series, and they're going to win. And we know what happened. That whole thing became a mess. The Mets have been horrific ever since. I never would have thought that just a couple years later the Mets would be in last place, one of the worst teams in baseball, always injured, and that team is in shambles. But, sir, the truth is that the Mets, you know, when they were bad in the 90s, the worst team the money can buy, I was like, man, you know, this team sucks. But you still get excited. You still get pumped up about it. But you know what, Joe? The Mets were terrible for most of the 90s, so I guess in a sense there's a little sense for optimism because how bad could they possibly be? Are they going to be any worse than they were for most of my childhood? Are they going to be one of the worst teams in baseball? Possible. But I used to get excited about them every year, and they always stunk. Any thoughts there? Sir? Oh, you're talking to me. I I dozed off when you started talking about how – you know, spring uh, springs eternal with the Mets because you know what? You mean hope? All to, well, the only updates that we really should be talking about is the two people that were on the team last year and we wanted off the team this year, and we got our wish. So, which two people were they, DG? They were the legendary second baseman Luis Castillo, and of course the one and only Oliver Perez. They are both finally off this team. Thank the good Lord above. Can't stand either one of them. I'm glad that they're gone. And quite frankly, I don't know why they were here so long. I don't know why they're on this team. I remember um, the year that Ali got signed three years ago, so I guess that would be, what, 2008? Um, yeah, 2008. They signed him in the, in the, the fall of that year. I said to my buddies, we were going to go watch the opening day, I said, I hope the Mets don't re-sign Ali P. He's really not that good. He had one good year. He He's... He's just not reliable. I was totally right. They gave him a three-year, $36 million contract. What a mess that was, sir. And uh, you know what? He's been a bum ever since. He's been a total bust. And I am definitely not sad to see him go. And, of course, Luis Castillo, another guy who I liked when he came here. But I thought uh, $6 million a year, you know, for four years, $24 million, it was just way too much money. I thought the Mets just have no clue what they're doing. And they proved it. Mania proved it. But now I was reading an article by Bob Raceman today talking about how the Mets have no more scapegoats. Manaya's gone, Ollie's gone, Castillo's gone. Now we have to really get into just how bad they are. But folks, we actually have a caller on the line. We'd like to get him on the air. We have Mitch calling in from Fort Lee who would like to talk a little Mets baseball. Mitch, how are you doing, sir? How you doing, boys? How's it going tonight? Hey, doing Mitch. good, doing good. How about you, sir? I, I just got to say before I start, your uh, your news update guy, your flash update guy, that is one angry dude, man. What is, what is up with him? Uh, Joe, you want to you feel that one? <laughs> I mean, this generation can get you fired up. I mean, when you look at this generation, you know, they, they call it Generation Green, but you know what this generation is all about? It's all about texting. No communication, no nothing. It's all about texting, texting, texting. Mitch? That's a good way to, good way to avoid the question, sir. But, Mitch, uh, other, than, other than Sean Hannity and his update, what, was, what exactly about the Mets would you like to talk about? How great they're going to be this year? Um, 
I tell you, I, I, I liked your Hope Springs Eternal uh, intro, but uh, but I, I think we've been Mets fans long enough to know the realities of the situation. Um, on the one hand, as you both said, the nightmare's over. Okay, Ollie's gone, Louie's gone, uh, and you would think we'll move ahead. But if you look at the at the heart of the matter, is um, you didn't trade them away. You're still going to cost uh, eighteen million dollars. Uh, yeah. and, and you don't have the players for it. Um, I think it's just a sign of of, of the situation that the Mets are in. Uh, and we're all excited about uh, Alderson being here and, and uh, maybe make some changes. And Omar's gone. That's all, all, all well and good. But yeah, you know, wh- where are we going? You're in a, you're in a situation where you couldn't even pull off a trade, even if you eat some money and, and take half the money back. You're still ahead of the game. You couldn't even find a team in baseball to pick any of these guys up for part of the money. I mean, what does that say about the direction you're going in? And how on God's good earth do you own the New York Mets and not have any money? You you have your own stadium, you have yes. you have your own T V station, you're yes. on the best radio station in New York City. Yes. How do you not have any revenue? How is how is that yes. physically possible? You don't have to make the playoffs every year like the Yankees do, but I mean Mets fans come out, they come out and watch his team, win or lose did they do three? No. They'll go two, two and a half when the Mets are bad, and they'll do three uh, when the Mets are good. How do you not have money to, to build a farm system and assign some top players? I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at the situation that they're in right now. Hey, Mitch, let, let me ask you, Mitch. How many games are you going to watch on TV this year from start to beginning, and how many games are you going to go to? I, I watch or listen to every single game. I, wow. I don't miss a game. I go to about five games a year. Uh, I used to have season tickets with some with some buddies at work. We used to get yeah. the six pack or the or the fifteen, and that was always fun. We went good years and bad years, and uh, it's it's you know if you're a fan, you're a fan. You, you don't you don't bail out on your team. You can you can criticize them. I, I can hear I can hear Dave's anger in his voice, but that's not out of hate. That's out of how much how much he loves the Mets, and you're upset yeah. that they're not they're not doing well. You know, I yeah. remember when they, when Omar came in, and my first thought when Omar showed up was like, all right, we're going to be like the Yankees. And we're going to be like the Braves. We're going to make the playoffs every year. We got one playoff appearance to show for it, and we lost to the, to the Cardinals. I mean, oh. uh, well, uh, to answer your question, Joe, I'm going. I, I, I listen or watch every game, and, and I'll go. I don't have my, my six-pack this year, but I'm going to go, um, you know, five, six times this year. You know, what, what I find interesting is that what, what I find interesting about the whole situation, you touched on it, Mitch, and, again, I was mentioning this to my brother today when I was talking to him, is what I don't understand, and I guess what you don't understand, same thing with Joe, is the Mets ate $18 million, right? The Mets ate 12 for Ollie, 6 for Castillo, the entire salary. You're telling me that they couldn't find a single team in baseball that if, we, if they said, we're going to eat the whole thing, just give us a warm body, just give us anything to take back, you're going to tell me that they couldn't do that? And I don't understand. If they ate all the money. They couldn't get anything. They couldn't get a bag of balls. They couldn't get... Uh, you know, a mascot. They couldn't get a hot dog. They they got nothing for these guys, and I, I just don't understand. In this day and age, where anybody will trade, you know, somebody for anything, the Mets could have got at least like a, a Rule Five, you know, fifth round draft pick, a you know, a number one pick in the NHL. Get, I mean, give us something. Give us anything. I, I you know, I, I just uh, I, I don't get that, sir. I, I had to admit. I, I I was I was stunned at that about, about something. I even I'm, I'm not even one of those guys. I never liked the guys who call up and goes, "Hey, I got a trade for you." But the first thing that came to my mind, and I thought about it all winter, was you don't think the Giants want to get rid of Barry Zito? 
I remember they, he flirted with the Mets before he signed with the Giants. I mean, lucky for us, it's one of the best things we didn't do. But at this point, where are you going? Um, you trade both of those guys for him. I think the Giants would love to get rid of him, knowing that they only have Ali and, and Castillo for a year. The money's the same. Yeah. You're not, no one's spending any more money or any less money. And then the money they're going to spend for the next few years against them, you're going to save. Because I bet you Beltran, Beltran is gone, and I would bet, sadly, that Rays is probably going to be gone, which I would not like to say. I, I, as much as he's, he's uh, frustrated at times, he's probably the most exciting player in baseball when he's on and when he's healthy. And I would love him to keep him. But financially, that. That, that money would have gone toward, towards Barry. It would have been a wash, and you wouldn't have had, uh, had an issue. I mean, but, but to your point, Dave, that's something. You got, you got a bag of balls. You got, you got, <laughs> you got a nice pot. <laughs> something <laughs> Wait, let me ask you, and this is, do you know how many years, I don't know if you mentioned it, but how many years Zito has on his contract? He's got three and an option. Okay. See, the only bad thing about that, though, is that, you, you know, you're stuck with Barry, who who is probably going to be another LEP for two years. I agree with you that they should have gotten something, anything at all. They could have, you know, thrown Joe in the mix, anything, but at least get something back in return. Um, yeah. You know, Ali sucks. Castillo sucks. And then Castillo got picked up by the Phillies, and odds are he's going to be the starting second baseman this year. Chase Elliott will be out. He'll be playing left field or something. And Castillo's going to hit, you know, five homers against the Mets and cost them the, the playoffs or whatever. But I don't know, Mitch. It's it, it's frustrating. I know Joe and I talk about this all the time. I think Joe's given up on them completely. I'm, like, at 1%. But I just don't see how the Mets are going to be any good. You know, we'd like to get Evan on so we could talk about this before the season. But um, just, you know, before we close up the show, give us your thoughts. What do you honestly think the Mets are going to do this year? Because the fact is, for them to be any good, they need Bay to be healthy. They need Beltran to be healthy. He isn't healthy at all. They need Reyes to have a good year. They need Wright to have a good year. They need they, mean, they need everybody to to play to the maximum. What do you think we're honestly going to see come October? You know, when when we first got in the spring, um, and I thought that uh, Beltran was going to be healthy because he was saying, oh, I, I still have to play center, which to me means you, you're healthy, right, because you can't be unhealthy and play center. Uh, I thought with uh, and Bay having a rebound year and the pitching doesn't have to be better. It has to be as good as it was last year, which I think is very possible. It's more than possible the way they pitched last year. I thought you're looking at, at close to 90 wins, which means you're in the wild card race. Now, I, I don't know. I mean, Beltran's already hurt. Um, that kid that was going to take his place in the minors um, is not ready. Martinez? Martinez. I mean, he's not. He's, he's been, not been ready for years. So I don't know. I don't know where we're going with him. He's too busy peeing yeah, on his hands, like uh, Moises yeah. Alou used to do. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It depends on how on on how the, the manager can uh, get them motivated and, and what the reaction is. I mean, for you and I, it's like, oh, these two guys are gone. Oh, great. But is that, you know, is that really a positive or is it or is it addition by subtraction? You know. Well, yeah. to me, I'll, uh, I'll, so I'll now I'm a little bit down, but yeah, yeah but. Mitch, Ollie, to me, Ollie was a cancer for this team. He didn't want to listen to Mets management or Mets ownership when he wanted, you know, when they wanted to send him down to the minors to to correct what he, you know, his pitching. He didn't want to do it. And to me, uh, I'm, it's, it's you know, addition by subtraction. Getting rid yeah. of Ollie is the best thing that they did this year. This I, I, agree, yeah. I agree with Ollie. I, I don't think Louis was a bad player. I think what stuck in everybody's craw was the money, and it was for so long. And that's Manaya's fault. That's not that's not Castillo's fault. Manaya yeah. gave him, overpaid him. You know, if he was making two million dollars, no one would say anything about Castillo. They'd say, "Yeah, he's a good, he's a good backup. Let Tejada play, let Murphy play, let let uh, Martinez play, and 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 you got Louis as a backup." 
No one complained. But now he's got six, and everybody's got their, you know, got their panties in a bunch. So, you know, <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah. Speaking of panties in a bunch, uh, we better close the show out before our producer gets his in a bunch. Mitch, we thank you for calling in. As always, it's a pleasure. Hopefully, you yeah, and your friends will be able to will be able to go to another six pack uh, one of these years, and the Mets are actually good. But you know, you're always welcome to call Pure Gold again, Mitch. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks a lot, guys. Nice talking to you. Have a good day. Right, Folks, that was our special guest, Mitch from Fort Lee. Um, JB, any thoughts before we close out this uh, this uh, another great PG show? It's just a you know fresh of breath air. Did you get that one? <laughs> yeah, I got it, Yogi. I absolutely got it. Folks, <laughs> you were full of them today. I think I my favorite of... was I think my favorite was asking Mitch uh, how many games you're gonna watch this year, start to beginning. <laughs> Folks, this show, another great peer goal, was brought to you by Executive Business Machines. If you have a copy or printer, fax machine, a computer, a co-host, or even a typewriter that needs repair, if you do call EBM at 201-797-9400, they are located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM is a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years where they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400, and if you mention Pure Gold, you'll get 20% off your order. Sir? I am so glad that we ended the show with some baseball talk as we get towards April. Baseball is right around the corner, so it was a good job taking that call, Mitch. Thanks for calling again. And this show was also brought to you by DRG Designs. Do you need a company logo? How about a flyer for your next big event? You have an idea? We can make it a reality. For your graphic design needs, call DRG Design at 973-588-7572. Try not to call after 9 p.m., folks. Once again, that number is 973-588-7572. And when you call, please mention Pure Gold. DG? Folks, another classic show wrapped up tonight. I would like to thank uh, Todd, a.k.a. Sean Hannity, as I will refer to him now for the rest of, the, of his existence, for the longest rant in, in the history of Todd's take. Um, you know, thank you once again, Todd. That was classic. We'd like to thank Fitz, our producer, for telling us to wrap the show up. We'd like to thank Jose, our, our PR director, Kelly, our board op. Of course, we'd like to thank Mitch for his call. As always, uh, you know, you folks, you're welcome to call in and talk about anything. Remember to tune in on Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you folks to always keep it P. Have some guts! Look at this! Good old! Have some guts! Show some guts! Guts here! Good night, everyone.